0: Welcome back to Radio Brews News, the podcast that is made from beer. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, colleague, executive producer, and all-round good guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt. G'day, listeners. Podcast made from beer. I like that. Well, I'm pretty sure we've used that before. It's such an obvious line, but it's in the news this week. We've had the uh, Carlton Draft, the first swallow of summer, or the first (laughs) bluebird of happiness, or whatever. the The first sip of summer. Yep. The first beer out of summer, the first major beer campaign of summer, has uh, been launched this week with the Carlton Draft Beer Chase. And uh, yes, we we normally uh, don't you know, speak too much about the, uh, the the mainstream beers on this show.
1: Well, Actually, we we we, we, we do actually. Uh, well, yeah, we, <laughs> it's what gets us we, into we, more trouble than anything else. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> but uh, have you seen the uh, Beer Chase? Ads? I have. They added
1: a bit of a stir on online. Yeah, I've only seen it online. I, I saw it on um, oh, that very popular and reputable uh, news site, Australian Brews News, actually. Yes, yes.
0: I, I think we were the first to uh, to run it, actually, uh, you say? Serious?
1: Yes. Um, so we, we broke the news of um, uh, Crown Lager on tap. We Yeah. And we're breaking the um, first of the first, the first uh, beer out of spring. This is an interesting ad. I, I, so hopefully people get a chance to, to whip across the Brews News and have a look at it. What, what, what are your thoughts? Because I... I mean, I love, I love a story. I love an ad that tells a story. Um, I love it sometimes where you got to kind of work out what the story is. Uh, and then the analytical side of my fear brain kicks in and says, who's this aimed at? What could you, Do you You want to paint the picture for the listeners? Yeah, well, okay, I mean, anyone, anyone that hasn't seen it, I'll, I'll put it up again in the, in
0: the show notes, but yeah. it's uh, it, think of every famous movie, Car Chase, um being done by four blokes running down the road, being chased by the police without the car. Um, is and, bas- and while it, carrying
1: foaming uh, scooters of well, 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 Carlton Draft, brewery fresh Carlton now, stuff made from
0: beer. The first thing I noticed is that those... The, some As somebody tweeted yesterday, I've never seen Carlton Draft with that much foam on top, um, is one thing. And the second thing, it had more staying power
1: than... Uh, um, someone that has really long-staying power and will edit no, an no. appropriate pop culture Ray Martin's reference. hair. There Ray Martin's
0: go. hair is what I was going to say. <laughs> so, you know, because they're jumping and running and you know, it, it's not moving at all. But anyway, uh, you have to suspend uh, credibility. It, they, look, the, the online reaction seems to have been, you know, gee, they've got Australian money and they're in an Australian hotel, but suddenly they're in LA. And I think to say that, you're missing the point a little bit because it is taking famous American car chase scenes. And I it's, don't it, know... Apparently. Yeah, it's, a, it's an homage... It it is a homage, well, so what you we used call you need homage. to spend, Yeah, because when I first was watching it, I saw them in the, in what was a very Australian pub, but then suddenly when they show the police, they weren't in any sort of a, you know, they, they weren't the boys in blue, they were the boys in black.
1: Um, I have to say the the, way the first time that I watched it. Okay, so so four blokes walk into a pub, they order their four schooners of brewery fresh carton draft made from beer, they drop their bag down on the you know next to the bar as they about to sip. And it kind of falls open and, and it indicates, you know, it's, it's full of ill-gotten gains in the form of cash. Uh, so presumably they're supposed to be bank robbers. And then they look up and all these blokes are looking at them, but all the blokes are actually policemen. Now, I didn't pick that at first because th- when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, it's a bar in Oxford Street and it's like dress-up night. So it clearly, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I had to go back and watch it again to realise, okay, that's supposed, supposed to be the police what don't they look like Australian police? Because now we go into this whole chase scene that draws on iconic um, movie footage. Now, and here's where my question comes into you. Who, who's that uh, ad aimed at? What drinkers are they trying to... Mate,
0: I, look, I, they've got every man, you know, they, I think you, when we were discussing it off air, you talked about, you know, they've got the obligatory four blokes because, as we've discussed before, one bloke drinking uh, is an alcoholic Two blokes drinking a gay. Three blokes, no one can really give a good explanation for why three blokes aren't. It's just not right. No, because, two, four because, blokes.
1: Each, because the two blokes each have a wingman. If you have three, then one bloke's missing out when they pick uh, up. okay. Yeah. Okay. So so nobody's got his back, you see?
0: Right. Gotcha. Okay. And then, so it's always four. Four but, is yeah, so. look, But... I think that you can safely say that this is just trying to win a, a greater share of the existing beer market. They're not trying to bring people from uh, you know, anyone else. So they're just going for people that drink beer, really.
1: Because really, do you have to be? Cause, and the movies, um, for those who haven't seen it the, or can't get to it, the, the movies that are, I guess, name-checked, um, there's either Bullet or Slash, you know, Dirty Harry, Sudden Impact, the streets any of, San of the car Francisco, chases in San Francisco, where, yep. where you're coming up and over the the iconic hills, then you've got um, what was the other one? Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers.
0: There were two scenes in there jumping the bridge. Yeah, um, yeah. The one. first one and is where other... yeah, where
1: the kind of uh, the the cops have set up the the roadblock. The roadblock. Yep. Uh, or it could be. Oh, look, it could be any, any a few other movies as well, I suppose. But it's kind. Of, I, I was thinking, you know, Illinois Nazis, um, and then it goes over the um, the raised bridge. Uh, a la the Blues Brothers, so we're, we're in there, then we've gone from San Francisco to Chicago, Illinois.
2: Those, yeah, all, on, those movie, all those movies, classic, wouldn't um... you,
1: they're classic movies, but are they kind of, you know, the, the guys who are turning 18, 19, 20 now and, and perhaps looking to decide what beer do I latch onto loyalty-wise, wouldn't you have done, if that's, the, if that's the case, don't you need to have more modern film references?
0: Possibly, you know, like uh, The Quick and the Dead or, you know, those...
1: Gone, those, in, gone in 60 Seconds. 60 or Seconds, that's sort furious yeah. Furious or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. See, see I'm, I'm not down with what the kids are <laughs> well, watching, so... Neither, neither am I. Well, for um, me, it'd be like they'd be, um, I don't know, it'd be animated and they'd be swimming past Neymar. Cars. And, yeah, or cars. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, well, that, that's actually a very good point,
0: Prof. You know, maybe, but then again, is Carlton Draft, you know, at the thirty to forty-five um, age bracket, well, with the uh, you know the kiddies drinking the Summer Bright lagers, you know the the eight sorry sorry kiddies sorry anyone in the eighteen to twenty-five bracket, um, the just you know, because the 18 you're eighteen 20, to
1: twenty-five yeah yeah <laughs> sorry.
0: Are, are they more likely to be you know is it targeted at the the hardcore because I know that the 4X Gold ad um, with the 4X Island. Is very much targeted at the thirty-five uh, over thirty-five, so they've got a certain yeah. Um, and and the casting, they they seem to have been cast by the same uh, casting agency. So you know, maybe that's it. You know, What's they, it that, they are going for the slightly older beer drinker. Yeah,
1: it's interesting too, just that the, the guys are supposed to be sort of you know hardcore robbers, and apart from the fact that they you know clean make a clean escape, but then stop at the pub, sort of indicates that they're perhaps not you know criminal masterminds. Um, but then they kind of look like. You know, I don't know Mo, Larry, Curly, and Schmo. But they're kind, of, they're they're kind of safe. They're they're not, you know, safe crackers, but they're kind of just safe-looking blokes. Oh, that that's
0: the that, that's the the whole thing. You know, they're they're not trying to look like um,
1: a couple of bank robbers.
0: The movie stars, but
1: you know, it, and it, it's interesting
0: because there's, there's the usual you know, sneering on Twitter about you know that it's a crap beer and stuff like that, and you know. It, it, if you don't like it, it's a crap beer. If you love it, it's a great beer. Yep.
1: Um, simple as that. Um, I love the ad. I just think, I, I just think it's 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 more fun, um, and and good luck to them.
0: And and you know, like my um, th- there is that little beer wanker muscle that flexes as soon as you see, you know, one of the the big brands advertising, and, and you know that it's sort of a a big money ad, and you'd love to see them celebrating a better beer, but. If if you put that aside, um, as an ad, it's it's great entertainment. It's 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 very clever, and there is plenty to get people talking about, which I guess is one of the things about advertising. Exactly. Um, So there'll be a lot of high brand recall. Um, And you know, having had a few uh, spats about the accuracy of ads, you know, it's a good fun ad that you know doesn't make any promises about the beer, just that you'll enjoy yourself while you're
1: drinking it. Um, And you know.
0: Good on it. Which uh, and you know, I you wish... know my
1: favorite, my favorite bit of the ad.
0: What was your it's favorite? It's not about. It's not about wine. It's not about wine. <laughs> no, but look, and you know, which I guess leads us to our next com, uh, next topic, which is the follow up from last week's uh, discussion with Vincent
1: Rui from uh, CUB about Crown Lager. You know. Um, interesting. Yeah. It was yeah. It was interesting listening back to it because you know when you when you're actually talking to someone, and, and recording it, you kind of get lost in the in the moment, and that sort of thing, and, and being able to sit back and just listen to the the conversation back. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a an interesting interesting chat. And
0: uh, yeah, I mean the, the feedback's been good, and it's been there's been some really good feedback about how great it was that Vincent came on, knowing that you know he, he wasn't just going to get you know underarmed um, softballs that he could hit out of the park, um, mm. but and. and as I said in a, in a comment on, on the site, you know, fantastic to him. And I think it shows genuine confidence in what they're doing, that he's willing to answer the you know any questions and he didn't try and vet them. Um, the one thing that I keep coming back to, and you know, we litigated it pretty fully during the show, um, was this whole thing about the time campaign. I don't yeah, want to go into just, it yeah, too much. On, on. But, um... Just
1: bring the soapbox across. <laughs> <laughs> so I've reinforced, I've reinforced it just for this episode because I thought...
0: But because I've been doing a lot of research for, for the next Beer Lover's Guide and looking at you know, sort of the, the brewing process and stuff like that. And you and I both know that you know, Vincent's position was he's not going to tell us how long it takes to make, um, you know, saying that that's an integral part of the recipe and they don't share the specs with, with, with the beer. But Prof, as you and I and anybody who has had any passing uh, you know, conversation with any brewer knows... Um, brewers talk about this sort of stuff. There are no secrets. So it's not as if if, if Vincent tells us on Radio Brewers News, oh, it gets in the tank for four days, that suddenly Forex is going to go off and start making a Crown Lager knockoff. But the thing that I come back to is the the whole idea that Crown Lager is brewed for twice as long only matters if you know how much a regular beer is. Um, And I was was flicking back through an old edition of The Beer Lover's Guide to Australia, and it had a chapter written about... um, you know, what is beer and how is it made? Written by uh, Peter Aldrich, who's a you know, very well-known uh, beer identity. He's uh, yeah, the yeah. Program Coordinator for Food Science uh, Brewing at the School of Science and Engineering in the University of Ballarat. He knows his stuff.
1: Yeah, and um, I think and at the I, I time, just he was, wasn't was he the Chief uh, steward the
0: Steward at the AIBA, yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and he knows his stuff. And he wrote a chapter about the, the brewing process and how it's made, which is fascinating and very illustrative. But, you know, he talks about the fermentation period, and he says, Larger use of bottom fermenting and are generally used for cooler ferments, usually less than 17 degrees, and hence the fermentation times are longer than those of ale yeasts, 6 to 10 days, as opposed to 4 to 7 days. Then he goes on and talks about the finishing and the flavour maturation. After the beer is removed from most of the yeast, it is placed in cold storage, approximately 0 degrees for 14 to 21 days, for flavour maturation and cold break formation. Now, on my uh, mathematics, and I never rely on that, but so you know, six to ten days plus fourteen to uh, twenty-one days, you know, makes twenty to thirty-one days. Now, that my understanding is that that's how you would describe a craft beer being made, um, you know, an extended cold maturation period. Yeah, but,
1: well, my, and 90, most most home brewers, most home brewers would work to, to pretty much most that as a as
0: a brew schedule. Yeah, uh, would work to that, but. If, if with ninety, you know, five percent of the beer in Australia um, being lager, um, and a you know the lager produced on a large scale from the biggest Australian breweries such as the Adela Brewery, the Forex Brewery, the Abbotsford Brewery, my my understanding is that a beer like Crown Lager, from the day that the malt goes in to the day that the uh, pallets are yep, racked or stacked all. with uh, yep. the, the the bottled um, pasteurised beer. You're
1: looking at nine days, so you know... I, and I think that, that's pretty much that's pretty much common. Well, well you know, it's it, that's a commonly held um, perception, I think. But you know, I, I don't think we're we're sort of lifting the lid on any industrial no, and, secrets
0: and, or anything no, there. No, and, and yeah, the from that, that's both my, talk about you know the brewing process, and even when you do the uh, the the Adela tour they say that you know it takes about seven to eight days um, to make the beer. So so there's no secrets there, but when you know, all of the literature that is telling the average, that's used to educate people is telling them, um, you know, it's it's X. Um, you know, it, 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 there seems to be a, um, you know, a, a conspiracy for, you know, and I realise how, you know, I say that half seriously, Um <laughs> yeah. only half seriously, that, you know, to, to make cheese of the beer world look like, uh, you know, farmhouse made cheese um but anyway that's marketing and you know i that that's where it does come down to personal um you know philosophy and, and, and those sorts of things I, I i think that you be open and honest about this sort of stuff and you know if, if people buy people buy for a whole lot of other reasons um you don't put lipstick on a pig which is a phrase that's got me in uh, trouble in the past um but, yeah, by putting the trick on a pig, you're actually devaluing the whole category. But that, that, that's just me, and I guess that's something that we'll always be able to discuss. But, uh, yeah, no, look, all, all credit to Vincent for coming on and, and talking about it. And people... And I, and both I, I, I and will make say on, their on Vincent's
1: own behalf that there was probably one, one aspect that... I don't know whether it's qualifying it, but he was... Rather than saying Crown Lager is brewed for a long time, he was talking relatively... He was saying that it was brewed for longer... Than the other mainstream, well,
0: Just
1: a... yeah, and and, so, and, 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 and I know you no,
0: at, don't. No, don't, when I listened back to it, I time was time. like, I was in full Canter, so you know, or yeah, you know, full gallop. So I wasn't actually uh, necessarily, you know, parsing his sentences for for the meaning. But um, and, and and yes, he he was saying that. But then, and here's the problem with marketing: one, they'll start the campaign saying one thing but then if you look at the website they talk about their extended lagering process um you know they they, they the, yeah, but it, you it, could, you could you'd you'd lager
1: it for a day and a half longer and it's still extended compared to that's but that, and that's where
0: again my personal view um and you know it comes down to your own pref your own philosophy and um your tolerance for advertising bullshit but um yeah. you know <laughs> i i think it's extended has a fairly clear meaning They're using it in a highly subjective, relative way, Um, not an objective way. But they're using it in a way that is designed to give the impression that it's much longer than it is, to connote much greater quality than it is, and and those sorts of things. But you know, as I said, you know, this dead horse has been flogged enough, so we'll uh, we'll move right on. Um,
1: But I tell you, every every time it it just it it just blinks an eyelid, we'll give it another whack.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. Listeners, if, if, if we ever have the chance to have a beer in the
1: pub, don't get me started. <laughs> unless it's a pub, unless it's one of those premium pubs that we'll be soon be serving, uh, Crown Lager on draft.
0: Crown Lager, yeah,
1: we'll, we'll wait and see. It'll be very interesting. Um, and I'm waiting to see how the,
0: the, the media release and what the uh, story is about the beer. Um, but anyway, yeah. we'll wait and see. But anyway, Prof, uh, that's enough about Crown Lager. Um, who, who are we talking to today?
1: That's a good question. No, actually, oh, today, today we're talking, uh, we're, we're talking media um, in, a, in a couple of different forms. First, we're going to kick off with, uh, I've, I've teed up a very special guest for us today, whose uh, name and work will possibly be familiar to some of our readers and some of our listeners. Uh, he's all the way from New Zealand. He is a craft beer aficionado and also a beer writer of, uh, of note uh, by the name of Phil Cook. Well,
0: let's have a chat to Phil. And yes, we're joined by Phil Cook, who, in addition to being uh, a New Zealand beer identity, was recently named the Brewers Guild of New Zealand Beer Writer of the Year. Phil, welcome to Radio Brewers News.
3: Good afternoon. Well, good morning where you are.
0: Well, it is still morning, but uh, your voice won't be uh, new to people who listen to the Beer Diary podcast, which is one of my favourite beer podcast, but uh, your writings are also uh, available on the interwebs as well.
3: Indeed. All free, all over the place.
0: (laughs) For free, all over the place. So where do you write, Phil?
3: I I write uh, mostly just on on my own site, uh, which I just call Beer Diary, named after an actual beer diary, Uh, Yeah, which is at philcook.net, just to drop in a mandatory plug.
0: Highly recommend, and I, I do have to say to the listeners of Radio Brews News um, and readers of Australian Brews News that I've been badgering Phil since I first met him, I think, about three years ago it's to true. write for uh, Australian <laughs> Brews News. And if you like the sort of uh, semi-informed, highly opinionated uh, <laughs> stuff that we put up, um, you'll you'll certainly like Phil because he's, uh, he's slightly more informed Um and uh, yes, so I, I no, highly recommend. No shortage ball. of
3: opinionated either on, on some <laughs> occasions.
1: Now, Phil, I, I do have and to Phil, credit. And Phil, is you it... are you are uh, acutely aware that Mac is, is Dutch, so that no, if, uh, harassing I, 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 of you I, I, is not I, is, not, I, is I, not going to I, abate. Okay, course, okay so you might as well just start up? writing for us. I, I, I,
0: could could <laughs> we on. clear something up? I I, I was argumentative <laughs> enough in the Crown Lager podcast that I didn't take you know, I, I didn't actually take exception to the description of me being Dutch. It's actually Danish but I'm fifth-generation Australian. so That's uh, proper Australian. It, it's, it's properly Australian, but if you're at least going to get my heritage uh, <laughs> in, into the conversation, get it right, it's Danish.
3: I only had any hope of spelling it right because I had a <laughs> philosophy degree. Well, I still have a philosophy degree, but, yeah, so the name's not unfamiliar.
0: No, but they, he has an additional E just to... Oh, right,
3: him. so I was misspelling his name. but got...
0: <laughs> You were, yeah, because no, Kierke, um is K-I-E-R. Oh. Um, but Guard is in Guard is in the Australian <laughs> one.
1: Uh, they they dropped the first E.
3: See, five generations of Australian. <laughs>
1: exactly. I, but anyway, I just can't, um, I just can't believe it's taken you 22 episodes to clear that up because I I've, I've, I've been that's my standard material, right? <laughs> I, I
0: I only like taking the point when it matters when things like time is the fifth ingredient uh, and that
1: sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. So when it suits the yeah, got it. It's contextual. <laughs>
0: When it's irrelevant or marketing or just fluff. I don't let's, talk a, let, let's talk about so <laughs> Phil. Let's talk about Phil. So, Phil, how does a professional university student with a degree in philosophy, a ver, variety of other half-finished university degrees.
3: That's
2: true.
0: Um, and extensive experience in some of Wellington's better beer bars come to be New Zealand's best beer writer.
3: That's that's a good question. I wish I knew how it happened. Um, I just well, it all came out of that that notebook that that I started keeping because I just my memory is is way below human normal. It just basically doesn't work. My my recollection of what I have drunk and how whether I liked it is is terrible. So I have to I had to take notes, and I've been taking notes for years. And I moved into a second book because I took so many notes, and then I didn't have the first book with me, so I was persuaded to upload it so I could check it on the internet at work, rather than carrying the damn thing around. You know, enough so of a in, gadget. In, it, it's not
0: really cloud computing; it's head computing, or if yeah, computing,
3: it's offloading your memory onto a onto a server somewhere. I don't even know where my <laughs> server is. A friend <laughs> no, no, of mine handles I, that for me.
0: I, I have to say that you know you your beer writing career came about because you couldn't remember what you tasted. But then I recently read your post about, um, you know, tasting in a glass, um, which was beautiful. It was completely lacking in dogma, um, apart from the need to use a glass. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my favorite beer expressions seem to have originated, either I read them for the first time on your um, blog or you invented them. Um, <laughs> Kegtrus is one. Cake tris. uh, brand wank, um, yeah. is another, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll die was... happy
3: if those two words make it into the dictionary. I really will. And <laughs> <laughs> but fractal beer is uh, fractal, fractally um, interesting, fractally yeah. interesting. Um, That's, I, I borrowed that from Neil Stevenson, who's my probably my well, one a candidate, certainly strong candidate for favorite author. Um, and he wrote about one of his characters had a life which another character described as fractally weird. No matter how close you examined it, it just kept on staying the same amount of weird. There was no level of you know, no level of detail at which he went, oh, okay, I understand him now. Um, so <laughs> beer is fractally interesting. You can enjoy it at any level. Was the idea? Yeah, just stuck in my head.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I, I. I, I Guess the difference between that is uh, there's a difference between fractal enjoyment and fractal in, you know, and fractally interesting and uh, that was something that really uh, stuck in my head. Um, but your fundamentals for beer tasting, um, and this is from a presentation you gave at Beervana, yeah, um, embrace subjectivity. Um, beer, yeah. like all matters of taste, is a subjective experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
3: Well, I get I mean that kind of thing, and that most of the advice in that seminar really came out of. Just years of bartending experience and watching people get freaked out and feel overwhelmed or feel peer pressured or feel browbeaten by their beer snobby friends and things like that, and I just always wanted to help people just calm down a bit. Um, so that thing about embracing a subjective experience—you know—you you you will literally never be wrong if you enjoy something and assert the fact that you enjoy it. No one can call you out on that. There is a lot of things you can be wrong about, but whether or not you like something is, n- is just not among them, you know. So you might as well enjoy that. It's, it's rare. Uh, and people really do feel peer pressured into liking something famous or not so- liking something hated, and, and you can see it. Maybe, you know, being a bartender for so long, I, I got to see more of it than most people do. But it's bloody tragic when someone obviously likes something but feels like they shouldn't or feels like they shouldn't express that in certain company.
0: I I express that same thought a little bit differently. Um, And and I, as most things, I'd sort of point the finger at wine. And uh, we've all been in the situation where we've been out to dinner, the wine list gets brought out and there's the one wine wanker in the crowd who has forceful opinions about what is good yeah and so everybody looks forth on it yeah and and so everybody passes the wine menu down to him so he can be the arbiter of what everyone will drink as opposed to people drinking and ordering what they will get genuine pleasure from for fear of having that pleasure diminished by his or her criticism yeah um and if beer ever reaches that stage i have already said that i'll uh You'll quit. Yeah. Quit, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and go find great interest in lawnmowers or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something else.
3: Something else we can be fractally interested in. you know.
1: <laughs> but it,
0: is, is everything fractally interesting or is beer just one of those things?
3: For me, it's one of those things. I mean, I know other people get nerdy about something else. And that's one thing I always enjoy doing is talking to people who are geeky and overly interested about something other than the stuff that I'm geeky and overly interested in. But I mean there's that other point I made in the in the get more from your beer thing where I I honestly do think that in some more objective sense, beer is um is is easier to get a handle on than some other things that people really enthuse about. I maybe it's just me, but I've never really gotten my head around wine. Kind of too many variables in I don't know, they're just lined up in a strange way that I always struggle to to, to learn enough about it that I feel I can really say anything of value, uh, even just if I'm buying for myself. Uh, but beer is, you know, it's basic list of ingredients. There's a basic list of styles that then proliferate wildly if you really want them to. Um, it's just nice and easy to get a hold on. And you can...
0: I, I'm oh, I, I'm I was, was going to say, it, it, it's funny... <laughs> it's it's funny it. you say that because I always say that you know, wine is the easiest drink in the world to make. It is an accident of nature, you know. It's just all you, you, you mm. just need a grape and a foot um, and you know, something <laughs> to, to put, put it in. in. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah.
0: Whereas beer, on the other hand, is the far more complex drink because it doesn't just happen. You you need some uh, complex chemistry and it's got more ingredients. Each one of them has more varieties and can be treated differently. Yeah. Um and so so it, it, it's interesting that that's your perception that that, that wine always seemed you know to yeah.
3: Yeah. Um and I I I completely agree that the beer is in a in a sense it's much more diverse and much more uh broad and that's why it, you know it's always unfortunate that the beer is like the the forgotten um you know, neglected stepchild of the of the hospitality family when people obsess uh, well, you know, will have awards for best wine list and best cocktail list and then best beer list just is completely ignored. Um when beer is a broader thing. But I don't know. I, I still think there's something about it that's easier to grasp. So it is more complex and broader than than wine will ever be. But oh maybe it's just me. I don't know. It's it's always been the uh,
1: how does it how do you find the difference, Phil, between um, or all the similarities between, yep. um, say, so, you know, wine and beer? Obviously, you're talking, you're singing a similar song to, um, to what we have over here. We have a, you know, a pretty well respected wine culture, as do yep. um, you guys over there, and the beer is is seen as the, yeah, like you say, the, the poor second cousin kind of thing. What's the what's the attitude over there to, um, I guess, to beer versus wine?
3: One thing that's well i mean it it's definitely neglected um in hospitality awards and uh columns in the in the media and things like that you know that there'll be a publication will carry a wine column but ten years before it'll ever carry a beer column uh and in the local hospitality industry awards I, I do remember there being separate categories for uh best wine list and best cocktail list, and there's me sitting there going. Well, <laughs> you're in Wellington, for God's sake. Can we not have a best beer list category? Um, but but weirdly, from the, from the flip side, I think a wine drinker is probably more open-minded than a beer drinker is here in, in broad terms. I guess maybe wine drinkers are more used to not being able to reliably get exactly the same thing every venue they go to, so they do try things a little more, whereas a you know, mainstream beer drinker just locks himself into one brand and stays there forever. Uh, that was always a weird bartending experience. You know, when the wine drinker would be the one you could have the, the more involved beer conversation with than yeah. the bloke who considers himself a beer drinker, but what he meant was he was a brand X drinker. It was yeah. So I guess we. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm over in Australia often enough. I think that the scenes are are very very similar with the same joys and the same tragedies, but. It's, it's getting better I think it's getting better every yeah.
0: day. I mean my my like, experience with the New Zealand beer scene has been confined to Wellington
3: but you know
0: gee what a, what a way to immerse yourself in the New Zealand beer scene is uh, during Beervana, for example
3: yeah that's jumping in at the deep end that's it's good stuff it's a nice town is, to beer.
0: is it the New Zealand sort of home because it's, it's a university town and it's a political center um is my understanding it, yep. it, do those things come together and just create a um, yeah, you know, like a very cosmopolitan atmosphere that lends itself to people who want to discover the joys of this new world of beer?
3: Definitely. um, It's always also very much a uh, a dining out kind of town. There was some statistic years ago, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but there's some fantastic proportion of, of meals taken outside the home by Wellingtonians compared to normal people. Um, so people just go out and, you know, have a meal somewhere, have a drink somewhere, and it all just led itself very nicely to uh, the craft beer scene kicking up. There were a couple of really early pioneering bars that did an awful lot of work to make make a market. You know, if you if you arrive and do something really well, you just grow demand for what it is that you do. Um, where was I going? But yeah, so it, it's definitely the the craft beer drinking capital. Um, there's always a little bit of rivalry going on between a few other centres about who really is the craft beer capital. <laughs> well, that, that's
0: just <laughs> if they weren't fighting about that, they'd be fighting about something else, surely. Well, exactly, and it's not a
3: bad thing to fight about because it just leads to people trying to one up each other, and that's it's always fun to watch in this kind of business.
1: So, yeah. But do, do, do you have any views so at the? Sorry, you, you go, Prof. Yeah, I was just going to say, did you want to go into um, a little bit? Of the, you know, for those who weren't there, about Biavana?
0: What do you want, not want to... Oh, yeah, no, we've posted a fantastic uh, review. um,
3: From Luke, yeah, I just read that this morning.
0: Today, who, actually, it was really gratifying to hear him write that because I hate covering beer festivals because it's trying to grab a cloud, you know, embrace a cloud. Um, There's so much happening, there's so much to report on that unless you just sort of focus on one or two little elements of it... um, it just became, becomes too daunting. I've always found, but it, mm. it seems that he found it the, the the same thing, which was a, it was a really nice read.
3: Yeah, and it's it's not a bad thing to be overwhelmed by, right? You know, it's it, it's nice to have too much to write about to the point that you just find yourself almost unable to write about your experience without turning it into Ulysses, you know, some <laughs> five thousand page stream of conscience consciousness ramble.
0: You've just described Brews News, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some <laughs> in a of good my way. Own posts, I'm sure.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, now um, you're also doing some work for uh, the Garage Project in Wellington at the moment. That,
3: that's my new full time job, yeah.
0: And what are you doing for them? Brewing or just no, learning?
3: I, I like to describe it as I do everything else. Um, there's Pete Gillespie, the brewer, and Joss Ruffle, who's broadly sort of business development kind of guy uh, and then I I do whatever else needs doing um, I'll clean kegs I'll fill kegs I'll put kegs in a car and deliver them I'll write to people in far-flung corners of the country and ask them if they want some of uh, our beer yeah it's good it's it's really uh, varied work it's at the other end of the industry than I was for years when I was a frontline craft beer bartender um, it's it's a nice change it, there's a lot of nice continuity to it. I'm still going to the same bars and dropping off beer that I used to stand behind the bar and pour beer at. So, yeah, familiar but different. Really good fun. Phil, can you tell us a little bit
1: about uh, obviously you're the the prestigious winner of this award. <laughs> um, who else? Who else? Who was in the running? Uh, who else said, might we be able to sort of follow up on?
3: It's not a. Um, it's it was a strange award. Like like the rest of the beer awards, you. You know, you weren't nominated by someone else. You had to put yourself forward. Like the breweries all do this with their beer. You know, they, they have yeah. to submit their own beer. You can't write to the beer awards and say, you should give X beer a medal because I think it's great. The brewer has, to, brewer has to put it forward. So the beer writers were all told, you have to put yourselves forward, you know, with a short letter, basically nominating yourself, which was a really strange experience. So, I mean, there's no list anywhere of, of, of who they all were um James from Crafty Point in his little talk at the at the um at the actual awards dinner he mentioned um Alice Galletly who did the the marvelous beer for a year project which she just yes. finished recently she's a, a she lives up in Auckland and she did 365 beers in 365 days um a new beer a day for an entire year and blogged about them all um and the the project mostly overlapped with the with the period that the award was covering, so she was definitely in the running, and she was, you know, she deserved special mention from uh, James and everyone else who wrote about the award because that was an amazing project on on many levels, just the endurance and managing to find that many different beers and find the enthusiasm to write about all of them. <laughs> that many different adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she occasionally berated herself for for praising beers in the same kind of terms, but hit on this wonderful uh set of comparisons to uh beers like different sorts of boyfriends, like a beer that she would marry a beer she would have a fling with a beer that you know, <laughs> they were they were brilliant All right. genders gender's reversed I knew exactly what she was talking about it was quite fun
0: Pete uh, sorry um phil, what beer writing do you enjoy reading you know i i and I ask that because there is so much beer writing now um, and blogs and the World Wide Web and the ease with which you can self-publish without a filter uh, yeah. means that a lot of people are up there. Um, but yours is some of the writing that I enjoy most. But for you, what makes good beer writing?
3: Um, for me, it it really is just that the personal engagement. You know, you've, you've got to give a damn in some obvious way Uh just any kind of emotional connection to what you're doing and whether you loved it or hated it or, you know, were surprised to love it or surprised to hate it. Um, I don't know. It's, I like it when it's personal. I think there's something about that old cliche about beer being a social drink in a way that other things aren't. Um, so beer writing, being a personal thing makes more sense where, uh, uh writing about other things might not. Um, yeah, I think it's that element that I really like. I I do like a good argument. I like uh, someone. Well, it, in, it sounds like
0: independent breweries is your uh clear Lager.
3: Yeah, they are a little bit at the moment. They just keep doing stuff that gets right under my skin, um, which is strange. I kind of they they only really popped up on the radar a little while ago. I guess when the, um, when they were taken over by Asahi and a whole bunch of money came in, they really. They started doing more and therefore doing more annoying things.
0: Um, I describe it as doing it at the top of their voice. Yeah. Because I've got the money to, you know, put up big billboards. It's the same shit that they've always been saying, but they just get to say it louder, longer, and in everybody's face.
3: Yeah. And, I mean, some of the stuff about that resident program that they did where they had Spike from, where was he from, Terrapin, Um, when he came over. And then there was a... It had the beginnings of a really cool project, but the way they framed it was just so massively insulting to the craft beer scene that did already exist in New Zealand um that yeah, it was just needless and so it just came across as that they weren't trying to join the craft beer industry; they were trying to join the the existing big two and pretend to be the craft beer industry while at the same time smacking the actual craft beer industry in the face. So there was a lot about that to be annoyed by. Although, again, Spike himself seems a lovely guy. Seems like he had a lot of fun. But, yeah. No well, The extent that, to which the he was hoodwinked, that, really.
0: But. Well, just, you know, we're all trying to make a living and that's one of the things that Pete and I have long conversations about trying to work out. Well, you know, if you're taking... You know, independent distillers' money. Mm. Does is that is that buying them the fruits of your labour in terms of the beers, or is it buying them the fruits of the, your labours and your silence for all of the shit that they go on with? Yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's advertising as well. And you know, we've had businesses or breweries that have offered to advertise, um, and I always say, well, how about you wait and see what I write about you first, because yeah, you know, we write a, we write because we we've got things that we want to say about beer. Yeah, and we don't want that compromised by the need to make a living, which is, uh, you know, a very difficult way to make a living out of, yeah. <laughs> out of advertising. I, I guess that for me is is one of the big conflicts.
3: Yeah, and I mean, so that's the other thing when you were asking about beer writing that, that, that you enjoy, um, being a little more plugged into the industry than than the average person. Well, a lot more than the average person, I suppose, since I've been working in it for most of a decade. Um, the one thing that really gets up my nose is, is non-disclosure of that kind of thing. You know, mm. so we beer writing that looks personal and, um, like just nice, uh, reporting has an element, an undisclosed element of naked advertising. And, you know, when you know that this is going on, blah, it really, oh, it just makes me, makes me very, very annoyed, um. So. One of the
0: worst examples that I, I see of that, and it's, it's one of the reasons why we structure Bruce News the way that we do, is you know, so much journalism these days is done by media release, where yeah. m- media release are sent out, and because there is, and no one's got the resources to run down every story.
3: Yeah, so they right? just kind of publish it. Well, as, they, they as, publish
0: as. it with, with an, enough of a filter to change it to change the text so it doesn't look like it's just a media release. Yeah, but then, so so they've applied a base filter to it, but then they often, you know, byline it by somebody who yeah. has a name in the industry. And, and so they're just giving it
3: all this credibility.
0: They're, exactly. They're, they're giving it a credibility that a media release doesn't have,
1: but they're not actually Yeah, so actually you do that on Bruce
3: News. It's one, of, it's one of my favorite things that, that pops up. You know, there'll be a media release from some giant conglomerate making just the same usual stuff, but there'll be a couple of paragraphs at the top, you know, of, Matt Kierkegaard going, oh, maybe, kind of, <laughs> not really.
0: Or <laughs> um, good stuff, you know, or good yeah. stuff or whatever. But, but that's the, the way because, I mean, I sort of thought that, you know, we don't have the resources to, to go out and rewrite everything and run the facts down on everything. So yeah. make it very clear what's the, the brewery's point of view. Um, yeah. If we've got an opinion, make the opinion very clear. And the, the third benefit, I hope, is that for people that read a number of different um, sources, particularly trade magazines, magazines. Um, who are probably the worst offenders at just publishing? You know, yeah. they can then go back and see, well, that's actually not a an article. Um, and hope and my hope was that it would make those uh, other publications look stupid and change their way. And you know, to, and just slowly, it...
3: I I've always wanted people just to slowly, you know, get in the habit of a little more skepticism. So this is like, you know, when I call out a a, a brewery for doing something brandwaggy and dumb it's it's partially about hitting them for what they did do but i've always just also wanted people to get a little more wary cuz mm. you know you're drowning in advertising these days um well probably since since capitalism really got up and running we've been drowning in advertising but
0: although i just i've heard it described as an arms race without it's it's an arms race with our gullibility right. um where just as we sort of you know extend our disbelief a little bit they'll push it that little bit further right. so you know advertisers are always in uh you know in in a, in a context contest to see just how far they can take it we well need it's, to a, constantly... it's a
3: good war to be a soldier in it's another it's a <laughs> noble one <laughs> yeah.
0: phil we might uh we, we um, might push on <clears throat> but thank you Congrat look congratulations um I, can- I was really excited um a a Somebody who doesn't write for mainstream media um, and just has a you know, a, a, a little blog in, in the broader scheme of things, but can be independent, can be thoughtful, and can be reflective, can get national recognition for doing that. Um, and congratulations. I, I think you're an inspiration to that army of uh, disbelieving <laughs> bloggers Great. out there.
3: Thank you very much. That's very nice, they, to say, very nice to hear.
0: And I think it says a lot about the New Zealand beer industry that such a thing is possible.
3: We are in good shape over here. It's... It, Good and getting better, as I know it is with you guys as well. So,
0: so and ho- hopefully, you'll be. A, we, we can get you on uh, semi regularly for the, for the podcast, which is, I know, a little bit easier time wise than writing. But hopefully, we can get you writing uh, on the on Bruce News as well, being Brilliant. our uh, New Zealand correspondent.
3: I'm definitely keen. Keep fighting a yeah.
1: good fight, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> you too. Good on you, Phil. Thanks, mate. Well
3: See you, mate.
0: Prof, look, I. Really enjoy talking to Phil. I, I met him a couple of years ago when I was over for Beervana, and I you, you can't believe how excited I was. I'm sure I sounded very gushy when I said it to him uh, during the podcast, but I couldn't believe when the inaugural Beer Writer of the Year awards, the officially sanctioned Beer Writer of the Year awards, goes to a blogger and somebody who um, you know doesn't play the game. Doesn't you know? He he writes what he thinks. He writes in a really engaging. Um, popular way that's very thoughtful and clever and brings in you know all sorts of pop culture, and he's just not the sort of guy you associate with winning a, a major award like that. So um, I was really pleased with that.
1: Yeah, yeah here, here, here. I, I met Phil uh, this year at uh, at GABS as part of Good Beer Week, and as I say, we'd spoken before and, and communicated by email and that sort of thing. I knew of him. Uh, but that was the first time we actually physically met, and he was helping out. Uh, he was one of the crew down there, one of the volunteers, uh, and great to catch up with him. And yeah, it was sort of like, this, this, is, you don't look like who I expected you, you know, uh, I'd be a writer, to, you know, to kind of look. He's just a, he's a, he's a every man. He's, um, and and like you say, really writes beautifully. So I'm sure that we'll we'll stick a, a link to his um well i've
0: actually been after him since since we met yeah since i've been reading his uh beer diary for quite a while um and ever since i first read it i've been wanting him to write about the new zealand beer scene um for Brews news because you know i really i think he's a good fit for for what we do um we probably can't afford him now that he's an (laughs) award-winning well that's the other thing you know he's in the same position as the rest of us he blogs um and he you know sort of puts it on his own website um but it, it, none of it's for for pay, which again is is another um, interesting thing about him being beer writer of the year. He's not a professional paid writer. I, I don't know that he's ever been professionally published for his beer writing. It's just purely the the work that he's done under his own steam um, for his own benefit uh, on a blog. But anyway, we'll uh, we will. He he wrote a really good um, post on his presentation about taste um, and tasting beer at Biavana. So he's given us permission to post that. So we'll post that the same day that uh. This podcast goes up. Now, who, who are we speaking to next, Rob? Well,
1: next, it just keeps coming, doesn't it? We've, we've given all this information. We've broken new news and, you know, introduced ads to the, uh, the listeners. We've spoken to an award-winning beer writer. And now we just head straight into uh, a little bit of a look at a couple of beer festivals that are coming up shortly. So beginning in uh, October, we've got Sydney Craft Beer Week followed in November by Newcastle Craft Beer Week. And we'll be talking to Todd Manning, Uh, Well known to many of the listeners, I'm sure, as part of the TV crew who is uh, organising the Sydney Craft Beer Week. And then to Corey Crooks from the Albion Ale House up there in Newcastle, and good friend of the program. We've had him on before talking about uh, Newcastle. He'll be talking about the um, Newcastle Beer Week. Excellent. Well, let's uh, get in and
0: talk to Todd and Corey. And now we're joined by Todd Venning, one of the men behind the TV, and also one of the men behind Sydney Craft Beer Week. Todd, welcome to Radio Brews News. Howdy, guys. Thanks for having me. Mate, I guess, first of all, most people would know you as one of the faces of BMN TV. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how BMN TV came about?
4: Yep. Look, I'm one of the better-looking guys in BMN TV. <laughs> We've been around for a few years now. Yeah, three years, I think. We've just come on three years. Um, we were, I think at the time, the first online beer video podcast, just talking about better beer and um, just trying to promote the. We, we have a, a healthy and growing craft beer culture here in Australia and just sort of adding a little bit of humour around it. We're pretty, as you guys would know, we're pretty light-hearted about it, so they're um, easily consumable. We try and force ourselves to keep it under under five minutes, but it's really just uh, spreading, the, spreading the love about better beer.
0: So how did that come about? Do you have a background in the, in the beer industry or were you just an enthusiast
4: with a background in TV or were you just an enthusiast in both? No, look, probably a a background with a drinking problem uh, that enjoys better beer, basically, and a a, a bunch of mates that um, have the similar and being pretty sick of going into all the pubs that uh, um, I would see back in my hometown of Perth and also now here in Sydney that I've been for 13 years and um, having the same two or three beers on tap. So we pretty much wanted to uh, make a stand, uh, get out there and help spread the word as others are doing around the the country and overseas.
1: Yeah, now for those who uh, don't know, uh Todd is the one with the glasses. None of the other guys have inherited glasses, have they? I haven't caught up in the last couple of episodes, so I'm assuming that no, no, um no, no, they've all got their other <laughs> defects. Yeah. Yeah. Now listen, another another bit of a plug that you should uh, probably have got the opportunity for is of course the very the iconic um uh, beer institution that is the Hair at the Dog Breakfast, which oh. has uh, taken place over the last couple of uh good beer weeks down here in Melbourne at uh Beer Deluxe. I notice I've just received a schedule for uh, the Newcastle Craft Beer Week and there's one slotted in there and I'm guessing that there'd have to be one in Sydney Craft Beer Week as well. We have. How, look, how did that come about?
4: Well, look, it, 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 it's something that we, we, we've always wanted to do in terms of sort of move BMN TV into doing some events and sort of you know, get a little bit more interaction and... Uh, and sort of, you know, leverage some of the relationships we've got with brewers and breweries now. So we we saw the opportunity to hang something off the back of the Australian International Beer Awards down in Melbourne a few years back. Um, look, uh, surprised ourselves in terms of how well it received and how much fun we had and how big the hangover was, was afterwards. But um, look, 100, <laughs> you know, 110, you know, or so people gathered at Beer Deluxe down there with about, you know, eight to 10 beers, you know, a bit of fun in between from the BMN TV guys. Um, and we sort of, um, kicked that on for a few years and we've been wanting to bring it up here and I think with the work that we've been putting into Sydney Craft Beer Week um, it's at a size now where we can slot it in quite quite comfortably and, and bring a little bit of the, the, the fun and the, the beer love up here.
0: Todd can I uh, just on that and I'm pretty sure I've said it on Brewers News before but I think there are when you look at how big Good Beer Week is in Sydney um, I think that there are two people that can claim a fair amount of Individual credit for it, Um, and that's James Smith, Crafty Pint, who really
1: um, was the lightning
0: rod uh, between getting it going. But I, even before that, if you go into the the prehistory, I think it is the Beer Men TV breakfast because you know, for a long time, people have been saying, Well, we've got all of these brewers in town for the AIBA, why can't we get it going? But your event had everybody talking, and I think a lot of people, when they saw what you guys did on your own um, as a beer industry, suddenly that was the um, touch fire that made uh, Good Beer Week the following year possible. So, you know, congratulations for that. And I hope that, um, you know, as the history of Good Beer Week continues to evolve and be written, that you guys aren't forgotten about in, in, in your in integral role to that.
4: Well, I think, you know, no matter what happens to BMN TV, I mean, obviously we didn't go into... Uh, the Herodog breakfast, knowing what would result. But we just really wanted to run something that showed that beer can be fun, beer can be full of flavour. Um, and as you said, look, make the most of... You've got so many brewers in town, um, and there's a general buzz unlike any other time and in, unlike in any other state. So we just wanted to try and capitalise on that. And obviously, good things came out of that. And as you said, um, Crafty's done a fantastic job to grab that and run with it. And I think Good be Week's... Um, Huge, and we'll get even bigger and better. And we're just you know, hoping that we can do similar things up here in Sydney and as the other states are trying to do as well, basically. So tell us what you've got planned for Sydney. Um, tell us the dates first. Look, so it's October twenty to 28th. Uh, so like most things with BMN TV, a little unusual. That's an eight-day week. But we just ended up with so many events that it wouldn't be fair to cram so much into seven days. There's over 60 events across... Uh, 15 to 20 venues, and I think we we pretty much cover most of the territory in terms of local brewers. We've got some from uh, interstate as well and overseas representation through some of the uh, importers that we've been working with. So um, it's a bit of a grab bag. We, we didn't want it to be just a, a whole week of beer digger stations, and I love beer digger stations, so don't get me wrong, but we wanted to mix it up a little bit. We wanted to make sure that there are events that could appeal to not just the hardcore beer lovers or or beer nerds like probably the the three of us, but uh, to the people that are the foodies, to to people that love wine uh, and maybe don't mind a bit of beer every now and then, and to those that are just sort of uh, generally interested in fun events that have um, um, music and and good food and uh, drink associated with them. So I think we've achieved a pretty good mix more more than last year's event, which was sort of really a a, a toe in the water. But, um, um, yeah, it's shaping up to be awesome. It's great to hear you see that, because I think the point of
0: the, the Good Beer Week should really be to bring more people to the fold rather than, you know, singing to
4: the choir. Um, oh, ex- exactly. I mean, what's what's the point of just, you know, pitching to the same beer lovers? And we love them, and they're the guys that are, um, you know, vocal supporters of BMN TV. But, yeah, we, we really are all about cracking into the mainstream and sort of teaching people... Um, that there's more to beer than just the usual yellow fizzy stuff. And we really want, because we're Sydney-based, we really want to change the way Sydney views beer. And hopefully Craft Beer Week um, will be at least one vehicle for doing that. Mate, for a long time I've said that Brisbane has
0: been the beer desert in Australia. Um, We've had uh, the the small bar laws change and there's been a real explosion in the city. Um, And I I think there's a lot of competition between Brisbane and Sydney to... uh, to keep that momentum going
4: forward. Is that a fair call, do you think? I think I think it's great. I think it's great that, you know, in the last 12 months, we've seen all these festivals popping off around the country and all of them want to be bigger and better each year. And I think it's fantastic. The end result can only be great as far as giving people better choice for beer and and more ways to experience it. I think it's awesome. And, look, I know the guys up at Newcastle Craft Beer Week, they're doing some great stuff too up there. And I think it's, it, it motivates us somewhat in that uh, we would love to see craft be a week in Sydney, be bigger and better than Newcastle, because from a Sydney point of view, we always look down upon our friends in Newcastle, but we love them so much. And that, <laughs> and that, and that, and that rivalry between us sort of inspires us. Um, and hopefully uh, on the flip side, the Newcastle boys are uh, inspired to try and uh, pip us as well.
1: Todd, I think a good example um, or a good illustration of that is that last year, I guess the um, the perception was that Sydney Craft Beer Week was kind of uh, centred around a few key venues, and that was kind of what was driving it. Looking at the schedule this year, it certainly seems that, uh, like you say, there's there's um, more impetus, there's more energy in it, which will hopefully achieve the aims of, of um, yeah, bringing new people into the fold. So um, good luck with that. I think it, I think it looks good.
4: Oh look it's just a, it's just a sign that I think everything that everyone in the industry is doing to try and spread the word is saying to venues that look if you if you get craft beer on your menu it's actually a draw card and some of the liquor licensing laws up here in Sydney that have uh, made it a little easier for the smaller venues with smaller capacity to get um, liquor licenses has meant um, more craft beer venues have opened up in the last 6 months that I've seen in the last 2 years here which has made it a hell of a lot easier in terms of um, filling out a really broad and 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 deep uh, variety of uh, venues for craft beer week sounds very similar story to brisbane
2: so yeah absolutely
4: absolutely we've been watching uh, um with uh, great joy the stuff that's been going up in queensland i mean i uh, look i agree i've been up there um a, a few times and it's always been hard to see craft beer but the the mentions about you know new venues and the the beer week up there has been great
0: so how can people get involved in
4: uh sydney beer week uh, craft beer week what where can they go to find out more information? So the best place is sydneycraftbeerweek.com. So there you'll get a good view of all the, the different uh, events that we're running um, and we've categorised them by theme. So if you're, if you're more about the food than you are about uh, tap takeovers or degel stations, you can jump into what matters most. <laughs> oh, well, good luck, Todd. Um, Pete and I are both going to be down there for the
0: week so, uh, or for part of it. So we look forward to catching up and having a uh, good beer with you in Sydney.
4: Awesome. Look forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. And and, and where can they see BMN TV? If you head to TV, that's where all our usual uh, fun and chaos is there, and uh, we'll be uh, popping out some new episodes that sort of uh, help to point to some of the things going on in Craft Beer Week um, in the next week. Beautiful. Todd, uh, all the
0: best. We'll see you down there.
4: Or up there Cheers. in Pete's case. <laughs> Catch you guys.
0: Okay. And, yes, we're now joined by... Corey Crooks, the uh, publican at the Albion Hotel in Newcastle and also the man behind Newcastle Craft Beer Week. Corey, welcome back to Radio Brews News.
2: Cheers, mate. How are we, boys? Very well. Yeah, we're well. It's it's good to have
1: you back, mate. You're uh, you're one of those, the the lucky few who have returned to uh, Radio Brews News and not ended up on the cutting room floor, mate, so so well done for that. I feel very special. (laughs) Now, last we spoke to you, was it the second last or the last mainstream tap? Was in the process of uh, either being changed over or had gone.
2: What, what's the update now? Are we are
1: we 100% non-mainstream?
2: Yeah, we're 100% yeah. 100% craft and good beer all day every day. So that's uh, look the catalyst for that was uh, I think we spoke uh, leading into Craft Beer Week last year, and uh, that was probably the turning point for us as um, we did for some reason. Uh, think that we we still needed it, and after Craft Beer Week we put. Uh, and back to just putting two his new on tap, and uh look we yeah it just wasn't moving at all, so if they you know if the punters wanted to drink it, it was there, there was the option to to drink um to drink new, but it uh it wasn't even doing two kegs a week for us, so which is probably um you know, we don't really have any on tap but that's what it does, so uh from that point forward, yeah, we've been um hundred percent craft, and we've to be honest, we've never never moved more beer, so it, it
1: and you were pretty much beginning back then when we last spoke to you to, I guess, move towards, rather than changing your clientele, uh, as in, you know, losing the, the, the people who are perhaps the, you know, the diet and the mainstream sort of drinkers, and you were finding, you know, alternatives that they were happy to drink rather than their, their regular typical. Is that, is that still sort of moving in the right direction? Is that still happening?
2: Yeah, look, I, I would say that, um, you know, the the average consumer, our our customer who, who comes to the Albion now knows what they're coming here for. Um it you know it's, it's taken almost 4 years to get to where we're at today it wasn't something we've done overnight but now that uh you know we we have completely moved away from mainstream and that's not just on tap that's that's we don't sell a single package mainstream beer either so look I would say you know 90 95% of the people that walk in our door know what they're here for they're here to drink good beer so it's it that um Engagement of having to uh, convince someone that the Hunter Kolsch or you know the lager offering is you know if they drink new then that's they generally they're a they're a lager drinker and we're, we've got something that still fit fit their um their appetite but uh, that's, Colsh was basically the uh, Keith uh, from Potters his Hunter Kolsch was the one that we used uh, if you want to call it our not not so much the gateway beer but it was the um, the fallback for those that did. Still ask for a for a schooner, new or a VV or or Carlton or what have you. So that volume um, has really started to diminish, particularly in the last few months. I think where we're you know like i saying that most people know what they're coming here for, and, and as uh, as good a beer as Colch is, probably people are bypassing that now. So that's one that we only had three taps out of the twelve that that didn't change. Colch um, was one of those, but we're going to start rotating. Uh, that we're just taking delivery of uh, some of Benny Krause's Australian ale. So, just to keep that one interesting as well, our our lager tap, if you like, will be rotating between um, talking to the boys. Went down to train works, the uh, little Orakolsh, which uh, has won quite a few gongs of the. Uh, uh, that a bit of a pun. With the boys probably no, won't say but, nice. uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so the, we'll keep that. So, we've got some Holgate pills in here. We're going to keep that, try and make that as interesting as we can as well. So.
1: Yeah, now we've just spoken to uh, Todd Benning from uh, BMN TV and of course Sydney Craft Beer Week. There's a little bit of um, friendly rivalry. I thought it was us Mexicans down here or the, uh, you know, the bar benders up further north that were kind of your the natural enemy of the uh, the New South Welshman. But it seems that uh, within your own ranks there's a bit of friendly competition between Newcastle and, and Sydney in terms of uh, the beer weeks. What have you guys got planned?
2: Uh, look, at... That. I've got a meeting four o'clock this afternoon with our venues. So we've got 20 venues in, involved this year, which is, um, basically double from last year, which was the first year we had 11. Um, as we sit here at the moment, there's 34 events locked away, but, um, that's not completed. There's probably, I think there's four or five venues that haven't, um, sent me through what their plans are for this year. So I would say we're on track to be around about 50 events thereabouts for the week. Um, the week will open and close with festivals, uh, so I think i have taken you boys for a bit of a drive during last year, and, and my little plan was to try and uh, increase the, the tourist, tourism element to uh, Newcastle Craft Beer Week, so we're going to have a festival yep. up at Fort Scratchley, which is uh, an amazing venue, and I don't think there's anywhere in Australia that can rival as far as a location for a beer festival, so... Anyone that's listening, Google Fort Scratchley and have a look. I oh, we'll be posting some and, photos uh, up on the
0: uh, when this goes up, so everyone can see the, uh, the the photos you sent through.
2: Yeah, look, it's 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 fantastic, and it, it's very historic. You know, it's um, there's a lot of significance there with the site. We um we're doing a collaboration brew between uh, Murray's and Hunter, our two local craft brewers, and that will be called 1942 to um to mark the occasion, which is the 70th anniversary of. Newcastle being invaded during the Second World War by the uh, Japanese subs. So the guns had to fire to protect Newcastle. So that's um, a collaboration brew we'll do and we'll launch that up there on the day. And then it rolls into a whole another seven days of events across, uh, as I said, 20 venues. And it all culminates at uh, Warners at the Bay with their sixth annual beer festival.
1: And uh, yeah, just on the Warners at the Bay Festival, which I was going to mention next. That looks like it's expanded, uh, built on its. Uh, I guess the feedback from the last couple of years. Last year was the first time that uh, I'd been up there, and Matt and I were lucky enough to share a, a tent uh, with uh, some very fine product from uh, Hop and Spirit up there in uh, Queensland, and also with Paul Macurio, who we happened to drag along and managed to sell all these books for him. So he owes us big time. If you're listening, Paul. <laughs> for um, is. But. Some of the feedback was, yeah, that you know, just with the expecting good weather again, obviously towards the end of November, uh more shaded areas and uh a bit more amenity for the for the crowd should make it an even better event
2: yeah i'm i'm look there was probably a bit of feedback and different things that that uh, mark and the boys had, had, had taken on board, and yeah shade as we looked like it was uh in the middle of the desert, if you look at some of the photos or all the t shirts being used as um Try and escape the shade, but uh, escape, <laughs> sorry, escape the sun. But and I think there's a little bit of food, a bit more of a food element this year, so which is which is great. Um, but yeah, look, the the whole week we try to make it uh, pretty diverse. We it's not it's obviously the the week's about enjoying good beer responsibly, and uh, there's a whole range of events. Uh, like I said, we're starting and opening with a, a festival. I have taken a something that I thought was a great idea to to get the message. That came out of um Crafty's good beer week was the pine of origin, so that that was uh fantastic for the support from the venues that jumped on board they they uh, didn't have to push or prod to try and get people to come on board with those so where I think it's a great way for people just to you know especially those that are traveling something through the day all day every day that be able to in enjoy some of the beers, particularly some of the you know we 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 see obviously where we're, we're supposed to get access to to new brew from tasmania, but there's um a number of good beers down there that we, we really don't get access to up here in the mainland. So particularly even uh, Queensland, you know, we don't see a lot of the Queensland craft beer, which is obviously in in the big growth stage. So I think there's a good opportunity for those um, that wander around. We are going to do a around around a Australia and beer bus on one of the days as well. So stop off at all the point of origin hotels and enjoy a beer of your choice. So. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, a bit of comedy. Um, Sand cool. coming on board to do a bit of comedy for us, just to, and that'll that's teamed up with the Beer Lovers Guide, so we're going to do a, a Beer Lovers Guide to Extreme Beers, which uh, Mark's put on a number of occasions now very successfully. That'll that'll uh, be here with us at the Albion uh, on the Monday night, but then we're going to break that evening up and finish with a bit of beer and belly laughs. So, and there's, um, a, there's a
0: bloke coming up to do a barbecue demonstration, I believe.
2: Yeah, we got a couple of a couple of bookheads. Some Kong, what is he? The uh, Tong King, Tong Master,
0: Tong Master, Tong Master.
2: Sorry. Yeah. So Tong the, King, uh, that was a Chinese emperor, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he brought the barbecue no, that's, to that's China. A, Tong King <laughs> probably sounds better. Yeah. But uh, the Friday Friday evening, so we've got uh, yeah you two boys here when we're going to do the um the beer and barbecue brisket. So that's um.
1: Uh, looking forward to it. That's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, that backs up. It's a bit of a big day, that one. Just looking here, I've got it in front of me. We've got the the big official dinner on the Thursday evening and we're going to do a hair-of-the-dog breakfast uh, backed up on the Friday morning and somehow we'll do a barbecue in the afternoon. So it'll be a, a fun day. But, yeah, look, there's, there's some some good stuff. We're going to do a grape-verse-grain dinner. So got a couple of uh, mates who are local winemakers in the Hunter Valley. Um, that's going to basically be a bit of a, a debate-type uh, forum where we've got Newcastle Exotic Beer Club who are just about to host next month their 10th annual dinner as well, they've been going obviously their 10th year so those guys are going to, they weren't involved last year with Newcastle Craft Beer Week and I approached them and said "Look, you should look at an event to tie in um, their successful dinners that they already host so that'll be great versus grain so each five course paired with a beer and a, a wine obviously and not disclose what the brands are until the end so there's no People thinking that that's their favourite beer or favourite yeah. wine, and I have to go that way. So that'll uh, that'll be a bit of fun. And yeah, like I said, we've tried to keep things um, as interesting as possible. The the, uh, the and the other venues have been very proactive in getting things sorted. Um, the Delaney have managed to keep the last five years of Cooper's vintage, so they're going to do a Cooper's vintage flight night. That will be fantastic. Uh, I mean,
0: not that the Albion Hotels events yeah. won't be, but. Uh... No, that's exactly yeah, 100%. look, it's good, you know, the
2: <laughs> guys, um, last year, first year, you know, and, I, and it exceeded my expectations, I thought it was great, everyone had a ball, you know, the numbers we got to the events was fantastic, but um, yeah, we're, we're obviously, in the second year, you can learn things from the, the first one, and um, yeah, obviously I've been snooping around at all different things, and did the trek down to um, to, to uh, Trainworks, which is, you know, that I don't know what the exact number was, I'd say about fifteen hundred and that was in the absolute middle of nowhere. Um it was, you know people travelling there to, to experience that day and it's a great day. So that was more me wearing my festival hat because we're doing the one up at Fort Scratch this year to kick it off. So um what else have we got? Um well
1: it certainly seems and I guess like uh similar to the Sydney crappy week, it's not just you know, beer and food matching or it's not just, you know, come along and have, you know, a, a tasting or whatever. There's a real wide variety of events that uh, even if you're not a full-on, you know, beer nerd or um, uh, you, you're into, you know, what all this fuss about craft beer is, there's something to uh, interest you. And if you happen to be exposed to some, uh, some nice beer while you're at it, that's almost like a bonus.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and that's obviously that's that's what we're trying to achieve. It's We... You know, obviously, here doing what we do every day, we've got a, a, a following of, of really looking forward to. It. But if we can, you know, if we can uh, change the opinions and the views of, of uh, a few more hundred people along the course of that week, then, then everyone's a winner. So you know, the ladies' night, which we did to kick things off on the um, on the Monday night last year, which was a great success. We, you know, we're backing up and doing doing that again. So the um, local guy, who uh, is probably soon, we've been getting some quite interesting Belgian beers available that we've been putting on tap, which uh, just, you know, generally you just can't get. We've got Valerian Tremens coming on the water at the moment on the way, which will be on the tap. So uh, Jason, international beer collector, is going to host a dinner as well, which uh, is a little bit, basically the whole week's all about Aussie craft, but that's um, obviously there's a lot of inspiration that comes from the old Belgium stuff for what makes good beer here in Australia. So we're going to have a, a Belgian beer dinner as well. It's, yeah, like you say, there's a lot of there's a lot of, um, sort of different, it's not all about just being, don't really like the word beer nerds, but it's not something that's just for for those, it's for those that um, bring their partner or bring their mate next door who at the moment still hasn't probably seen the light, but hopefully we can, if they haven't, we can make them see the light by the end of that week.
1: Okay,
0: so how can people find out more about it?
2: But this year as I said we're grown. we're doing things well, last year we really relied on Facebook from a, um, a communication point that that's still there as is Twitter but um, NewcastleCraftyWeek.com, it's it, the site's basically put together it's not live as you know you can go to the site but there's nothing there at the moment but we're about to flick the switch it's uh, as I said four o'clock today have another meeting of the venues um, and we want to be able to lock the lock the events in and start letting people. Contact the venues and, and book in and start getting it happening. I anticipate that, uh, even though it's the end of November, I think well before then that you'll have to get in quick because I'd say there'll be a fair bit of interest and a lot of these events will be sold out well in advance. So uh, uh, NewcastleCraftBeerWeek.com is the uh, website which will be up.
0: Beautiful. And the dates
2: again? It kicks off on Sunday the 18th and concludes on Sunday the 25th of November.
0: Beautiful. Oh well, Pete and I put it in your diaries now, people. Yep. And uh, come up and say good to Peter and I and. Uh... We might even see whether we can do a RBN live from there too, Pete. See if we can finally get that happening.
1: Yeah, yeah we have talked about it a lot and that's probably the, the perfect opportunity to give it another crack. Beautiful. Oh, well, Corey, mate, thank you for joining
0: us on Radio Brews News again. Pleasure. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again very soon.
2: Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Pete.
0: No worries, mate. All the best. Take care. Cheers. Well, there we go, mate. There's so much beer happening. You know, we, we are... We started the show talking about the first beer out of summer, and we're about to be bombarded
1: with beer festivals. So it's going to be a long, hot, beery summer. I'm I'm tired after the podcast, putting it all together and everything, and we haven't even got to the festivals yet. So it, it's yeah, some good times ahead. And and it, look, it really says a lot about where the I guess craft beer is going, and how it, it's really leading. Um, the not just not just towards you know, artisan beer, small batch craft, expensive, you know, whatever. It's it's all about bringing people to beer and introducing them to this wonderful thing that, that we know and love, called beer. Um, new punters, new people to the scene, are going to be introduced to hotels that may have mainstream offerings on tap. They may have uh, you know, big bottle shops and all that sort of thing with all the all the standard mainstream offerings, uh, but you know it's 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 the, the whole you know broad church kind of thing, which I think is just great
0: exactly and you know mate, we, we we do uh as I think you said to Vincent um, we do have a natural sympathy or leaning to the more flavored more interesting beers that are more about the um you know the love of beer than the love of selling beer um, which hopefully they shouldn't necessarily be mutual exclusive. It's where the uh, we're on the continuum, the balance lies. Uh, but we just yeah. want people drinking beer. I mean, you, you and I just love beer, so uh, yeah. Mate, what what did you have? You had a chance to listen back to the uh, last podcast. Yes. What did you think of the uh, South Pacific themed umpa?
1: Through me, because I'm thinking, hang on, we've got a news. Oh no, there it is. I'm just underneath the, the sort of the lilting thing uh, slide the guitar telaran. and Hawaiian. Ukulele feel. I'm thinking, yeah, roll out that barrel. That was that was good. Well, let's
0: yeah. let's roll out the barrel again. Always good to chat to you, Prof. Always good you to chat know. to you. Talk to you soon. Yeah.
1: Show up a little Now no, we will we will It's raw and it's real. It's ready for you. Know, See you all next time. Cheers. Cheers. And we're out.